walking around looking at the lights. That's just a favorite pastime of mine to check out to see how people have decorated and where they have placed uh, certain things in their yards and in the community. Sue and I were on the road uh, the other day. We were in the boondocks. That's where Cedar Crossing is. It's in the boondocks, if you did not know that. Someone has put up a memorial there to, to some family member that has passed, evidently, of some renown there in the community. They have a Santa and a Ms. Santa standing 25 foot tall out there in the middle of nowhere land. And it is a spectacle to behold. You just marvel at it. Look like these red and white pillars standing out in the middle of the forest there. It's a gorgeous thing according to the way that you look at it, you know. And that's the way this season is. You're looking with expectation at it, I, I know for sure. You who are God's own people, you are consenting to allow him to come and to make his mark upon your life, to receive him anew. If you have not been in the process of this type of preparation for Christmas, let me tell you, there are just a few days left. Don't miss the opportunity. You know how it is in our culture. Once Christmas has come, it's gone. We hear just the slightest bit of talk of epiphany. But those 12 days of Christmas are lost on us. We sing the song before, not after. You and I move on toward New Year's celebrations. Putting Christmas away is what we do after Christmas. So don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss this opportunity. There is still time left for you to open your heart in a new way to God. I love to look at nativities most of all. Not just Christmas lights and Santa Clauses, but to look at nativity scenes. I bet some of you collect these. In fact, I know that some of you collect these. I've gazed upon the beauty in some of your homes of the, the nativity sets that you have. Are you fascinated with these? Do you feel drawn in by the stories that they tell, each one with such a unique telling of the story? My brother has a nativity that is just fascinating because everybody in the nativity, besides the Christ child, is dancing at the Christ child's birth. Even the shepherds have tambourines in their hands. They are so excited to celebrate this wonderful, wonderful coming of God into the world. And if you look at the baby child, this Jesus in a manger, you'll see that he has a Cheshire grin from ear to ear. The idea of it all is empowering for those that will allow this type of consent, this type of coming of Christ into the world, into our lives in particular. There's one character that often gets left out of the scene, or at least he doesn't get the attention perhaps that he deserves. Matthew starts the story telling us about Joseph. But do you ever really pay attention to Joseph when you look at nativities? I've got a nativity in my office that I packed, unpacked a couple of weeks ago. Sue and I have had it for years now. I set it on my windowsill there in the office, and as I was looking over it, I began to think to myself, which one is Joseph? I don't really know. 
I mean, there's a shepherd boy that has the sheep in his arms, and then there's another guy that looks like he's a shepherd too because he's got a shepherd's staff. And I thought, well, if he's a shepherd, that leaves us one shy of a complete nativity scene here. I don't know. Joseph sort of is a background figure. Mary and Jesus, these wise men, the magi, the shepherds, they have the roles that seem to be outstanding. Joseph is a bit player in the scene. In fact, it's interesting, the church, I think, has not known what to do with Joseph for the longest time. Iconographers from the Orthodox tradition have put him in the scene, but if you look for Joseph in an icon of the nativity, you know where you'll find him? In the corner. In the corner. In fact, they've got a special name for this Joseph who seems to be contemplative at best, worried, glum. You know what they call him? They call him the sulking Joseph. The sulking Joseph. As if somehow he didn't get the big part, you know? <laughs> and that his part is minimized in the telling of the story of Jesus coming to the world. It's all dependent on how you look at it. Joseph plays a very important role. If we look carefully enough, we will see ourselves in Joseph. How many of you think that you have a big part in God's story? I would say not a soul in this place today. But if you consent, if you and I consent to hearing the word of God spoken to us in our spirits, calling us to his work, then you and I will carry a very important role as well in our day and age to welcoming God anew. Sue and I love to go up to Asheville, North Carolina. Do you know that place? It's eclectic, I tell you. In fact, it is downright bohemian. It is, it is a delight. I love to go and see all the stuff that's in the shops, but just to sit in a chair and watch the crazy people that gather in that township. It is an amazing kind of place so far so far from south georgia it seems in many many ways we drifted through some of the shops and we came upon a studio of an artist jonas gerard is his name sue and i wandered in and made our way through his gallery and as we were looking at the beauty of his paintings that were hanging there on the walls an assistant in the gallery came up to us and said, if you would like, when you get through with walking through the gallery, the studio is in the back right-hand corner, and you are welcome to go in there. In fact, the artist is at work today. We moved on with a pace toward that door, and when we walked through, we saw him at work. He was slinging paint everywhere. It was just fascinating to watch this man at work. We stood there just looking, just looking at him. 
and we're just trying to take it in when he turned around and looked at us and he said, you're breaking the rules. And I thought, I, we were given permission to come back here. And, and I thought, what do we do? And he looked at us again and he said, you're breaking the rules. And so we began to edge our way back out of the room. And he said, no, no, no. He said, that's not what I'm talking about. He said, he said this stuff, this stuff. He, he looked at us. We had our arms crossed. He said, be done with that stuff. Be done with that stuff. He said, you're all so tight and strung up. He said, you're not going to let anything in in this place anew. He said, drop those arms. Let God do his work here. Take in what's going on. And I will forever remember that. How many of us go through this day-to-day existence with such, with such an idea about what, what God might do, or maybe what God is not doing, what, what any day could possibly be, and we stand with judgment upon it, you know, keeping our distance keeping our distance from what really is happening. I think Jonas actually wanted to get paint on us, but he didn't do it that day. He wanted to involve us in the joy of his work. Can't you see that this is what was happening with Joseph? That Joseph had this very structured idea of how to stay within the rules. Stay within the rules. The Torah will guide us here. He was a righteous man, Matthew says, a righteous man that cared about Mary's reputation. Some would not have cared, but he cared about Mary's reputation and he was thinking to himself, computing, how is it that we can get her out of this in as graceful a way as possible? Some of you are too young to remember, but I can remember that early on when when I was in school, that occasionally when that unwanted pregnancy happened, I I hate that terminology, unwanted pregnancy, but when the unexpected occurred, that often a girl would just simply disappear. Do Do any of you remember that? They were there one day, then they were gone the next day. They were just gone, whisked away to God knows where, maybe an aunt and an uncle and a town at a distance or some location where they could wait out their days and then be brought back to town as if nothing had happened, you know. It, it, was, it was Joseph's intention somehow to protect the integrity of this young girl that he was already connected with. His mind was working in a dream when God came to him and spoke a different scenario than he had imagined. A scenario that involved putting his life on the line too. Taking her in as his wife. He had not thought about this part. Is that what you're asking of me, God? Is this the kind of consent that you are expecting from me? That in some way my life would be affected by what's going on in her life. You see, this is the way it always is with God. Isn't it? Truly. If we are going to be involved in His work, it involves not only Jesus' sacrifice, but it involves our sacrifice 
to allow God to work within us in gracious ways. As was spoken just a little bit earlier as Bob and Mickey were reading the Advent readings for us, there is a lot of hate in this world. A lot of hate in this world. You don't have to listen to much news to pick up on that. How is God calling us to be His expression of love? Are you ready to consent to that today? Wesley, at his death, just before he passed, could not get the word Emmanuel out of his mind. In fact, over and over again, it is recorded that in English, he said, Best of all, God is with us. And repeated that in those days as he approached his death. He may have been speaking that in English. I have a feeling he was whispering it in Greek. Emmanuel, even to the point of his last breath. Truly God wishes to be with us. We do so much damage to ourselves and to others. When all we can think about is what is the line that separates us from them. I was in the grocery store and I was coming to the checkout. There was a young mother with her child in front of me. The child was pretty close to three years of age. The child was sitting there in the little seat of the grocery cart. The mother had journeyed to the front of the cart in order to remove her groceries and put them on that little conveyor belt. And so she was about four feet from me. The child was face to face with me and staring me down. Sue says, children everywhere stop to look at me. I don't know if it's my profile or what. She, when we walk through Walmart, she'll say, look at that child, just looking at you, just looking at you. This child was getting a gaze full and all of a sudden blurted out to me. She, she said, what have you prepared for my birthday? I was, I was dumbfounded. I didn't know what to say. And I, I looked at her, the, the mother in front of me did not rescue me. She was chuckling. She was chuckling to herself. And, and I said, well, I have to admit, I, I haven't prepared for your birthday. When is your birthday? And the child looked at me and said, December the 19th is my birthday. And I said, that is wonderful. And I do wish you a very, very happy birthday. We both smiled together. And I thought to myself, this is a child who has been coached into expectation in her life already. 
expecting a special day and knowing that she is precious beyond measure. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Do you live in the world in a way as to cradle God's love like that? Do those around you have this sense of God's love emanating from your life in holy ways? I love Daddy Rick, Rick Lanford up at the Methodist home in Macon. Daddy Rick was sharing with me that whenever a child comes to be a residence at the home, they always get to them within the first day to two days that they are there. And they, in the residence home, will guide them into a room where the child has a chance to select from a number of quilts that are laid out before him or her. Uh, These are homemade quilts. Churches from all over South Georgia. The ladies are working on these quilts all of the time. And they will ship these or drive these to the campus there in Macon. They have a a huge supply of them. The children are fascinated that receive these quilts. One little boy, Daddy Rick said, came into the the room there. And they told him that, that he could choose a quilt. And he stood there for a while gazing at the selection. But then all of a sudden, he took off running out of the room. And those that were in charge of distributing the quilts looked at each other and thought, what is going on here? Have we offended the child in some way? And so after he did not reappear in a few minutes, he, they went looking for him. And you know where they found him? They found him at a sink there in the house. And he had lathered up his hands real good. And he was washing his hands. And when they saw him, he saw them and he said, I just couldn't touch anything so pretty with my hands like they were. That's a Joseph moment. Don't you sense that? You understand where this scripture is. You know where the power of it is, don't you? Because... It's where we connect, you know. There's only so much of us that can connect with the Mary part of this story or the Jesus part of this story. But Joseph, I got a handle on Joseph. I got a handle on Joseph. Because in the simplicity of his life, that's where I see myself. Do you see yourself there too? Do you see the possibilities of consenting to believe That even in this situation, even in our situations, that God can be fully present. He wants to be fully present. Oh, he wants to be fully present. Emmanuel is his name. God with us. As we come to this close of our worship, we're going to turn to another of the Wesley brothers, Charles Wesley's sharing with us a beautiful hymn 
that he is famous for. Hark the herald angels sing. Would you stand with me? This altar is open if you would like to come and to kneel in this holy place. Let's stand as we share.